The debate rages on, should NFTs be classified as securities or as digital collectibles? Now, every time I've heard this argument, it always is positioned from the point of view of which one will benefit that person the most. Because depending how it is classified, depending what part of the transaction you're in, one will favor you or the other. So today I'm gonna to take a different approach. I'm going to stand back and I'm gonna approach this as a logical argument and discuss this in a much more unique way because I think they're committing a bunch of fallacies and it is a flawed argument. I've honestly never heard a solid argument, whether it be from people in Twitter spaces or politicians or just someone who lost a lot of money. So that is what we're gonna to address today. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So, for the record, I am a podcaster. I am neither a lawyer, an accountant, or a philosopher. However, I'll be discussing all three of these areas today. So make sure you see clarity from an attorney, a tax professional, or an ancient Greek. Well, I'm just kidding about that whole philosopher part. I guess technically anyone can consider themselves a philosopher. But let's get to the main point. Why does it even matter if it is classified as a security or a collectible? Well, there are two main reasons. Number one is taxation, and number two is regulation. But as far as taxation goes, collectibles are going to be taxed, in the, at least in the United States, at 28%. And depending what your income level is, it's going to be between zero and 20% for a security because that falls under capital gains, at least if you're holding it for a year. But those are general rules. Again, I'm not a tax professional. And the second area where this actually matters is regulation. And the number one reason is if it's regulated, then most likely you're going to need a license. So just like you need a license to sell stocks and bonds and so forth, it is going to fall under the jurisdiction of the Securities and Exchange Commission and have to operate by their rules. Certain things have to be disclosed, certain standards of operation, and so forth. So when you get into a Twitter space, you're going to hear all sorts of arguments. And the majority of creators are going to prefer that they're classified as collectibles. And then most collectors or traders are going to prefer that is classified as a security or some sort of capital gains investment. Reason being... A creator is going to want to classify it as a collectible because they don't want to have to register for any kind of securities license or comply with the SEC or anything of that nature. But as far as buyers go, you're going to get a lot of less taxation because 20% is a lot better than 28%. So usually that is why people want it that way. However, with that comes a whole bunch of baggage for the person that is selling it. And that's usually why they don't want it to be classified as such. Now, what makes this actually so complicated is because you're dabbing into a whole bunch of different areas. You're talking about legal stuff. You're talking about taxation. You're talking about different classifications. And it just gets pretty messy very quickly. And even in my very simplified explanation here, which I'm going to be speaking about, you're going to see why things get very confusing. And that's what lawyers and politicians absolutely bank on. They don't want it to be clear. They don't want it to be straightforward because at the end of the day, if things were straightforward and simple, they would really have no job. But I'm going to just put this out there that, again, this is not a philosophy class or a legal class or a taxation class or anything of that nature. And as far as taxation, I'm not even going to go any further than that. But the actual arguments now is what I'm going to jump into. And as far as arguing this legally and from a philosophical standpoint, this is where things get very interesting. And when you hear about the lawyers and the politicians and people in spaces even, they're just saying all sorts of things that are just really not sound arguments. But lawyers and politicians absolutely know that. Most people cannot really form a strong argument, at least philosophically. They don't reason very well. 
And that is why a lot of lawyers actually are philosophy majors. It's not because they want to be professors. It's because you learn how to do an argument. Structure an argument makes sense when you're actually arguing a valid point. And even though it is taught in high school at the most basic level in some math classes, proof equations, and so forth, most people just brush through that and ignore that, much more go into a philosophy class. But we're going to break these things into two categories. Well, first, an investment asset is primarily purchased for a return of investment. And that's how it falls under the possibility of, well, is it a security? Should it be regulated or not? And of course, there's asterisks with sort of exceptions such as real estate, because yes, technically someone could purchase a house as an investment expecting to get a return over time or someone could be living in it. However, that just falls under a different classification is not thrown under the SEC. So there's asterisks and exceptions for all sorts of things. Again, keeping these lawyers employed. But then there is, of course, the collectibles. And collectibles, of course, are things that we know are valued because of their rarity or their popularity. So this could be anything from CDs, records, sports trading cards, paintings, you name it. Collectibles could fall under any category. Beanie Babies, like all sorts of things. People collect rocks, stamps, coins can go all over the place. But what makes that unique is some people could actually collect things because they're trying to make money off of it. So all of this falls into a gray area. So which category do NFTs fall under? Is this an asset that is purchased strictly for an ROI, getting a return on that investment? Or is this something that's purchased for a collectible? Now, just that question in itself presents a fallacy. It's called a false dilemma. Because I'm breaking things down into a black and white argument, giving you two choices. It's either going to fall into one category or another. But as I just explained by all of that, really falls into a gray area. Why is it that real estate doesn't fall under the SEC? Why is it that someone could be trading Pokemon cards much in a way that they're trading securities, but it falls under collectibles? The truth is NFTs are not one or the other. So to classify them as either an investment asset that should be a security or a collectible creates a false dilemma. But here's where things get even more interesting. Truthfully, NFTs is just a technology. No two NFTs are alike. So for example, a POAP, which is a proof of attendance, really has no value. Then you have a board ape, which needs no introduction. Then you have an ENS domain, which sure, it could be sold, but also it's used to simply identify your wallet. It is so much easier to remember your .eth address than all of those OX, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then now we have the California DMV getting ready to put automobile titles on Tezos. You have courts in several countries now issuing subpoenas and summons via NFTs to wallets where crypto crimes have taken place. So what exactly do all of those have in common with each other other than the fact that they are NFTs? Really nothing, that they all serve different purposes. And the person who is getting the summons to say, hey, come to court because you just did a rug pull did not just gain an additional asset that's going to go up in value in their wallet. In theory, I don't know, maybe the first one is going to be worth something down the line, but it's not like the court issued that as some sort of rare collectible item. So it shouldn't be subject to some sort of taxation because it was an airdrop. Even if it ends up being worth, I don't know, a million dollars down the line as the first document served via NFT. So when this is normally presented and people are arguing this, a second fallacy is also committed, and this is called a straw man fallacy. And that is presenting something that is really entirely different than what you're actually arguing against, what you're presenting this to make your argument. And I'm going to give you an example of this and see how this all fits into this whole NFT argument. So imagine the owner of an NFL franchise, which is a professional football team, in case you're not familiar with sports. Let's say this owner of the team also has private tutors that are teaching his children. They're homeschooled. 
And let's say one day when we're speaking about the players and how the contracts are being negotiated and so forth. And if someone wants to argue with him and let's say a reporter and say, hey, do you have any concerns about paying your quarterback 35 or 40 million dollars a year? And then the owner turns to that reporter and says, no, I don't have a problem paying that because I pay people according to their value. Well, if this reporter turns around and says, does that mean you value quarterbacks more than you value the tutor for your children? That question is actually a straw man argument or committing the straw man fallacy. And this is actually something that is very common. This is people, what some people say all the time, that baseball players and athletes and celebrities and so forth are paid more than teachers. And the fallacy that is being committed is assuming that the word value actually means the same thing in those two sentences. And it is actually a flawed argument because... In the first sentence, meaning that I pay people according to my value, meaning, no, I have no issue paying my quarterback $30 million or $40 million. When the owner says that, they're speaking about economic value, meaning that, yes, I pay this quarterback $35 million a year, but him being in the game, winning me games is going to generate, let's say, $100 million worth of ticket sales. Fans are going to fill the seats. Jerseys are going to be sold. So he is more than paying for his $35 million salary just by being in the game. So him cutting that check for $35 million is going to get him a profit. Now, in the second sentence, when the reporter asked, well, does that mean you value quarterbacks more than you value the tutors for your children? They're implying that because the tutor is not being paid $35 million, then that owner is going to value that tutor less. And that is a societal value. That is not the same thing as an economic value. So of course, the owner, assuming that he's a good father, wants the best for his children, wants the best for his country if he's a good citizen, wants the best for the world. And a teacher has way more societal value than a quarterback. I don't think anyone, the biggest sports fan in the world, even Gary Vee or one of these sports teams owners or whoever it is, would actually argue that. However, it is something that is argued all the time when they're talking about negotiating teachers' salaries and so forth. And politicians know it's a straw man argument, but they still do it anyways. Now, what does this have to do with NFTs? Now, I'm going to use that same example and show you how they can get into this thing when they're trying to debate all this stuff and use a same model, a straw man argue to make a claim for a law that they want to pass for popularity, whatever it is. Because saying certain things like that, of course, is going to get a cheer from the people who aren't making millions of dollars and so forth because, well, they're trying to appeal to the masses to get votes. But in this case, now with NFTs, statement number one, Yuga Labs built their company with the revenues that they received from NFT sales. Statement number two, or rebutting that argument, whatever someone who's against NFTs might say, well, in that case, if the California DMV decides to issue titles on the blockchain, the DMV should be regulated by the SEC. Now, when I put it like that, it seems absolutely ridiculous, right? Someone would make that statement. However, pretty much that is what happens on a daily basis in Twitter spaces that I'm in. And most of the time, people don't even notice that it is a flawed argument that they're putting up on either side. And they're using the same word, yes, NFT. However, they're being used for two very different things. It just happens to be the same word. We all know what Yuga Labs is. They sold those initial NFTs, the revenue from that. Then they had the mutants. Then they had the dogs. They had the other deeds. They had merchandise and all sorts of things. And then, of course, they had investors come in and they built this billion dollar empire all on the initial launch of those first bored apes. But yet, when the California DMV is going to be issuing NFT titles, it is not the same exact thing. So, a blanket statement saying that NFTs are a 
security or a collectible or whatever it is, is a false argument. Like, it just doesn't make sense either way. So two fallacies are committed very regularly. Almost every Twitter space I have when that argument comes up, and that is going to be how it is. Like, uh, normally, it, it all depends on which side of the argument that people are on and they tend to just convolute everything and it's just i don't know it's just emotional and it just doesn't make sense either way but again i just want to reiterate for the simple fact that number one i'm not a lawyer number two i am not a tax professional and number three i am not a philosophy major philosopher or whatever you want to call it but i just know a terrible argument when i hear it so hopefully if you're listening to this you can spot that out when people use those two fallacies and throw it up there and make an argument either for or against how NFTs should be classified and what have you. And it's sort of the same thing when people are making their statements when they're saying that, oh no, NFTs are all scams and stuff. Well, yeah, because scams happening within Web3 and NFTs doesn't mean that all of crypto and all of NFTs are scams. So it's sort of the same thing. We can spot that from a mile away when our friends outside of Web3 say it, but inside of it, it gets really complex because we know the words, we know the lingo, we know how to navigate around it. And how can this benefit you outside of this podcast, NFT trading and so forth? When you're hearing people just make statements and arguments, trust me when I say this, especially politicians, nine out of 10 times, they will use a logical fallacy. And trust me, they know it is a logical fallacy because if I know that, you can simply Google, just look up logical fallacies and they study this stuff for years, but they go on stage and they present this stuff because they know that the average person cannot decipher the difference. It will just help you all around. And just one last one, completely unrelated to this, but just for fun anyways, this is just a very basic one that everyone should really be able to spot. But if it rains, the grass is wet, okay? Well, the question is, if you walk outside and the grass is wet, did it rain? It's very easy to turn around and say, well, if the grass is wet, therefore it rained. But that is actually a flawed argument. The sprinkler could have came on. Maybe a water balloon fight took place. Anything could have happened to make the grass wet besides it raining. But anyways, this is not a logical class. Again, this is all about NFTs. And if you notice, I mentioned the California DMV issuing titles via NFTs. That is going to be on the Tezos blockchain. That is a story that I covered over there on the newsletter. In case you're not subscribed for that, please feel free to check out niftybusinessweek.com. It is absolutely free put some stories in there that I don't do full episodes about. But in case you're interested in that and want to sign up for that, I greatly appreciate it. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.